You're listening to the Real Estate Insider Podcast, a bold look at reality, news, analysis, strategies, and opinions, direct from the veteran team at the Rain Research Institute, with today's host, real estate strategist, Russell Westcott. Hi, my name is Russell Westcott with the Real Estate Investment Network, and this is Building Real Estate Wealth, The Rain Way the interview series for sharing the the behind-the-scenes stories for real estate investing success. This interview series is designed to provide you with the detailed insights, strategies, and inspiration to create a lasting legacy of financial independence. I'm glad you're here, and once again, it's time to build your real estate wealth. Today, we are excited to bring to you Oliver Limkanko. Oliver's story almost reads like a fantasy novel. From coming to Canada from the Philippines not too long ago, to graduating from the U of T, to getting bit by the real estate bug, to building a real estate portfolio during a downturn economy. Then he and his wife decided to travel the world for a full year living off the money real estate had provided them. In this exclusive interview, discover the required skills to build a portfolio of properties, some killer tips on how to manage a portfolio while traveling, and also how Oliver managed to buy six more properties while still traveling the world. Make sure you pay attention to the end where Oliver's next chapter of his life is now beginning and how real estate has afforded him the time freedom to live his lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy this exclusive interview with Oliver Limkenko. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Russell Westcott from the Real Estate Investment Network here. Today, we have a wonderful guest with us. I'm excited to be talking to a really good friend, an investor, and you know what? Someone who might, you know, you might even call that he's been living the dream or has lived the dream about traveling and having real estate fund his travel dreams. So, Oliver, let's get right to it. Welcome to the call. This is Oliver Limkanko. Oliver, how are you doing, brother? Hey, Russell. Not too bad. Very glad to uh, start talking to you again. I know it's been a while the last time we chatted here, but uh, back uh, from, as you said, from the travel, and very excited to talk to you. Well, I think that's a, a fantastic place to to enter this whole conversation. Like literally, you and I did a recording, wasn't it the yes. day before you were embarking on a world trip? Like you had you had a one way ticket, and you had no idea when you were going to come back. You just had a had a list of all these countries that you wanted to see, and and now you're back, obviously. That was it. That was the one day before, and I was, I, I think I was just trying to pack up the last of my stuff in one of my garages, and then I had to hurry home because I'm like, oh crap, Russ is gonna call me. But yeah, that was it. Was the day before we left, and it, um, it was such a such a great experience at that time. You know, I was so excited. Worked, I worked through a lot in order to um to get to that point. But yeah, it was it was right before we left. And um, fast forward, I think about two years now, and then we're back here. Right on. So we're gonna get to the next chapter, if you will, of the Oliver Limkenko book here. And and there is an exciting new chapter on the horizon from our from our conversations just recently. But why don't we just enter the conversation even uh, for those of people that might not be uh, familiar with Oliver or, or have read one of his stories sure. that have been featured. Maybe let's just to give it some context within real estate to start, Oliver. Why don't you just share with people, you know, um, where where you live, where you invest, uh, maybe your your real estate, maybe the portfolio that you've built to date, and how long you've been at this game for. Sure. Well, I am. I started the uh, real estate investment business after I graduated from a uh, university. It was a time where I was extremely frustrated because I had worked so hard to get my engineering degree, and 
three months into the job, I realized right away that it was just not for me. It's just something that I couldn't do day in and day out with no end goal. And when I look around, I see that, you know, people have been doing it for 30, 40 years and they've been doing it sitting at the same desk. And I just thought that wasn't for me. So a friend of mine introduced me to, um, to Rain. So I asked questions to, this, to my mentor at that time. And then his advice to me was like, well, if you have this many questions, I'm not going to answer them right now, but I need you to fly to Edmonton in, in, uh, in two weeks. And so that's what I did. I lived in Toronto at that time, flew to Edmonton, got the uh, lowdown from an acre. I think we called it a boot camp at that time, an acre weekend. and um, Maybe even quick start. Quick start, yeah. That's the one quick start. And um, once I got here, I made the decision right away to move to Alberta in order to start my real estate investment portfolio. You know, fast track. I mean, I think that was about 2008 when I made that decision. And now fast track to... 2014, right before um, you and I spoke, before my wife and I left for a trip, um, we had accumulated around 27 properties, uh, 27 suites at that time, um, with a strong cash in a strong cash flow position. Uh, at that time, I was living in Calgary, and um, we were about to embark on our world trip, which took us about um, a whole year. Um, that we planned for because it's something that we really wanted to do. We planned it, made sure that we knew our our cash flow requirements, worked backwards, started developing, <laughs> started investing in properties using the brain uh, formula, and just um, thankfully got to that point. Right on. So, so you you graduated in Toronto. You had a, a it was UT, I believe, UT with an engineering with an engineering degree. That's correct. It's a bright eyed sort of graduate thinking that, okay, finally, now, you know, I can relax. And to my, to my surprise, once I got to the routine of work, found out that it really just wasn't, uh, wasn't working for me. I'm working for somewhere that, uh, that had no exit strategy. And I quickly realized that I needed something to tide me over saying, but you know, Oliver, you can start working day in, day out, but this is your exit is when this will happen. That's how I got introduced to somebody who was a, a rain investor. And um, they introduced me to, uh, you know, I asked so many questions. I, I think I sent him the longest email that I had written at that time. And, if you know, looking back now, he was so right in telling me, you know, I'm not going to answer all of this. <laughs> you're going to, if you're disinterested in it. And he, he could see right away that, uh, that I had that desire to be able to do this. Um, he pointed me to uh, that quick start in Edmonton. And so it was the... Uh, very same Shaw Arena, Edmonton, 2007, I believe. Um, I think it was around October. Jeez, I still remember the date. It was around October that I flew in there and, um, and made sure that I was part of that weekend. And then you you were you were all in, weren't you, brother? After that, you, you oh my god, you you, was... you left your 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 job, I believe, or you were doing part time. Were you doing part time work at that time? Uh, no, it was uh, it was my uh, it was my full time engineering work right after school, and so once I got back, I think it took me about two weeks to make the decision. Okay, um, I think this is for me, and this is what I'm going to do. And you know, they said that Alberta was the place to be to invest. So I packed my bags, and I'm like, okay, if I'm going to start, I'm going I'm going to start in the best possible position. That's why I yeah uh, got a got a one way ticket to Alberta, and uh, it's all or nothing. Right. Uh, cue, cue the Beverly Hillbillies music theme music here. But it's the place you got to be. It's oil, <laughs> Texas tea. <laughs> That's right. The interesting thing is, once I got to Alberta, once I got to Alberta, oil crashed right when I got there, and so you know. 
self-doubt. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, I told you so, came into the picture. But, you know, you can either swim or you can swim. And I think the, from the people I've met, especially in the bank community, how can I make the best out of the situation? And I just realized, you know, I'm in the biggest sale in history in order to be able to um, accumulate properties. And that's where I started. So during a during a quote unquote downtime at that time, you 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 purchased twenty seven properties. You were you were all in, uh, you were living in Calgary. You um, bought sorry twenty was it twenty seven suites or twenty seven twenty seven suites yeah right okay, and you told a wonderful story that I'll never ever forget. And, and when you first moved to Calgary, you you were young. Right or and young, yeah. younger looking. You you didn't have a track record. <laughs> exactly. You you uh, you had to raise capital. So that was kind of like the f- first phases. You had you didn't have your own money, so you had to raise capital. And then you shared yeah. some wonderful tips and strategies on what you did to build the skill right. set of raising capital. Maybe if you could share those with everybody, it'd be wonderful. Sure, and 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 you got you have to understand at that point. I had just come into Canada in 2002 from the Philippines, right? So you have this young guy, very enthusiastic, very energetic, but an immigrant engineer. That means to those who can't imagine that realm, it, we, I wasn't the greatest communicator at that time. And, you know, I read, once I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, you know, I was just on fire. I wanted to do what they said. And, you know, they said, well, if you want to get into business, you got to get into sales. So, that's what I did. I treated that as my master's degree. While all of my friends were doing their master's or MBAs, their PhDs in engineering, all I did was I quit my job. I worked for RGO um, because I couldn't get accepted to Xerox because um, they weren't hiring at that time. And I went and sold copiers for a year. And, you know, day in, day out, you just walk and knock on doors and um, put your business cards out there, uh, even in minus 30, minus 40 weather. And you got to do it because if you didn't, if you couldn't sell, then you couldn't eat. And really, you know, that's how I developed the, um, it wasn't really the courage to do it, but really it's just, you know, if I don't do this, I don't, I don't get to pay rent and what's really stopping me. So I'm already in this game. So I might as well make the boat, make the most that I can out of it. So I started selling and by the second, third, fourth month, I started picking up sales and, um, that's really how I developed the skills that I needed in order to get a joint venture partners. Um, but even at that time, um, you know, you, you have a, you have a well-spoken, maybe 26, 27 year old uh, guy talking to you about investing your life savings with him, with no track record whatsoever. And I understood that, you know, I got, I you have to ask the question of what do I look like to the person that I'm talking to? And I got it. I got one piece of the puzzle, needed to get the other piece of the puzzle. So uh, I did the next best thing. You know, they told me that if I moved into the property, that I could buy it for 5% down. And then they also told me that buying in bulk is better than buying one at a time. So I just put two and two together and I just started moving into fourplexes. <laughs> and I just, you know, made the, um, made the deposit for the fourplexes, lived there for about a year, year and a half, moved to another fourplex. It was a really, really hectic time in my life. But um, being able to accumulate those doors during the during the time of a downturn was really how I propelled myself into um, into achieving that goal. Well, so you literally just you know bootstrapped it and just did it from the ground up and just figured it out and 
And and you moved into each of the fourplexes, bought it as a personal residence, fully disclosed, and then you lived in it for a year, and then you moved on, and you did that. You did that like once a year for the first few years. Yeah, I mean, the minimum was um, I'm, I said to myself, I'm going to live to this a year because Rain was so specific about not playing in the gray area. So I'm like, if you're going to move, you better move in there with the intention to live in there. So I'm like, okay, fine, I'll live in there. And then after a year, the next best deal that came my way, and you know, I like I have some savings from my uh, from my job at that time and the cash flow that was get, coming into me, and so the next best deal that my realtor gave to me. Then I bought the next fourplex and they just moved into that as well. And um, I just rinsed, repeated the whole the whole thing until uh, you know, I they, the banks told me I couldn't insure in CMHC anymore. <laughs> Did uh, were you were you married to Annie at that time? Um, and Annie was my girlfriend at the time. Actually, the the interesting thing is when I told I, it took me two weeks to decide to move to Calgary, and. I told Annie with a full, with a full anticipation that she's going to say, "Well, you know, I'm like that's not that's not for me," things like that. And I was dreading that conversation, but within 30 seconds, she said, "Yeah, I guess we're moving there." And so, it's been such an invaluable support, you know, having somebody there who will just support you all the way. And and I like now that I look back to it and the mentors that I've had, I don't really know anybody who's been successful when their partner weren't fully supportive about it because it, it's going to take 110% of your motivation and your dream and pushing for that prize at the end of the road in order to get there. And if you have somebody like that in your side, I, at least I don't think how, I don't know how I could have done it. Yeah. You, you absolutely need a unbelievable team and, and having a team built in is, is critical too. But you know what, at the end of the day, if you don't have a team built in, um, just getting part of a, a wonderful community uh, of like-minded people is 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 what's required at the same time. So so here's a one thing is and I you may have forgot this. I know you've done it, but you maybe just forgot this in the story. I I wrote down when you're just talking about the skill set you needed to learn of just talking with people. Right, you're you literally yeah. you know an immigrant engineer did not speak the language well. You took a job in sales and you just knocked on doors and you learned the skill. Didn't you also, for fun and on your own time, didn't you ride the C train in Calgary and just oh, with the goal yeah. of just talking to people? And you had a game of talking to as many people about real estate as you could on the C train. Well, let me correct you for one thing: it was not for fun. That was for sure <laughs> okay. because I was terrified in doing that. But I told myself that if I didn't do that, how can I go to somebody and ask them to lend me their life savings and do that, right? So every Saturday morning, I would, Andy would make me, uh, you know, my lunch to go, and I would just go on the sea train and sit down there and just sort of make my notes as to how many people do I get to talk to. And not only how many people, you know, what was the quality of the conversation? Because sometimes you cheat, like you tend to cheat, say, you know what, I talked to eight people, but really how many people did you get past, you know, how are you doing and how's the weather? So it was just a way for me to make sure that I get over that fear of talking to people. But, you know, it's just, you got to do what you got to do. And from the people that, again, the people that I've met in this community, I haven't met anybody who just didn't do what they had to do in order to get there um, to achieve their dreams, right? And that, yeah, that was that was one of the stories that I always tell people, and they, you know, they couldn't believe that I did that. But 
if you think about it, if you work backwards, if really that's the, if you're lacking that skill, the only way to get it is to go do it, right? So that's just what I did. Feel the fear and do it anyways. And, and I actually read something somewhere just recently that says, if you are feeling fear and resistance to something, you don't need, you know, this isn't something that's just a, a need, a, you know, a nice to do. It's something that you must do if you're feeling the resistance to something, so... Oh, yeah. And that, that was a total major, um, I think, roadblock to me. I thought about it for the longest time. And actually, like, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not that I woke up the next day and did it. I had to prep myself for it. I think I did a couple of sea train rides where I didn't end up talking to anybody. And I'm just like, this is dumb. Why, well, like, why am I hesitating? I'm just talking to them, you know. And then, um, and then at one point, I just made a breakthrough and saying, you know what? I stopped caring. And it's just like, hey, you know what? I'll talk to these people. If they become creepy, I'll just move on to the next one. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you have no expectation and no attachment. And sometimes the person who cares the least actually gets the most, if you really think about yeah, it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's just, you know, like, I think sometimes what I learned for myself in that is I think too much of myself at, at certain times where um, I think that, oh, once I talk to them, then they're going to think that I'm only, well, nobody's really thinking about you. You're just there, and if you're if you create conversation, and if you're not afraid to talk to them, it'll show, and it'll just propagate to them. And if they're having a bad day, then yeah, just talk to the next person. You know, it's not about you; it's about the conversation that you and this person are gonna have. And it's just that breakthrough that I had. Yeah, it's the conversation. It's who you are, who are you are being when you show up, and showing up fully to learn the skill set is really what 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 you're what we're talking about here. So wonderful Absolutely. story, wonderful story. Now let, let's fast forward it. So you've, you know, you, you're living in Calgary, you're developing the skills, you're, you're working, selling, um, you know, copiers and you're, you know, working bootstrap and everything right from the ground up. You're learning the skills and you're talking to as many people as you can. You acquired, you know, 27 properties. And now this is about two years ago, you, or maybe probably three years ago, you decided you wanted to probably when you're about to move out of a fourplex and you decided that right. you, you wanted to travel the world. You and Annie wanted to travel the world. So what spurred that on? And walk me through that process. Well, actually, Russell, um, that was the end goal from the beginning. So the so after graduation, Annie and I actually did a Europe trip. And we only could afford, at that time, 27 days. Um, and we used our tax refund to fund that trip. <laughs> because at that time, I was still getting tax refunds. Um, and then once that happened, like, well, how do we do this without uh, without stopping? Because I really want to go for as long as I want it. And that's how I started to ask questions and reading books and, you know, and finding out that I didn't like uh, how to do the job. And that's why when I first when I first got in, I remember this very day where I walked into the offices of Dan Heon, uh, 2008, who I met at Rain. I got his card after he was speaking in there, and he just he worked it backwards. This is what you need to do. These are the funds that you need to have if that's your if that's your um, if that's your target, and um, and that's and uh, this is the plan to get there. And so this is just all these people I met there. Once you talk to Dan, then he refers you to Barry, who tells you that well, Oliver, in order to do that, that you can't you can't um, you can't just do it haphazardly. You need to you need to make sure you're by the book. So. It's just a collection of all these people that you meet there and they give you a plan and they give you, and the most important part is they give you a plan that's actionable and that you can act, that you have seen it work through other people. 
that's the most important thing that I took from that. And so once I had that at the back of my mind, I just executed it. And the reason why um, uh, why we left, and I remember this, we left at March, uh, March 17, um, 2014. Uh, we left at that day was um, we just needed some time to close up our, our um, you know, to tie the strings. You have no idea how much mail you have to change your address to in order to do a one-year trip. Um, but in order to do that, I just we just worked backwards. And we, we understood that by, by this time next year, we're going to be leaving on a trip. And nothing was done to the, uh, to the spur of the moment. So sometimes when I see these things, on Facebook or say, you know, travel now and just don't worry about what you're going to spend and you can earn the money there. You know, it's terrible advice. I just, I, I met so many of those people, you know, like it's not difficult to plan out how you're going to do this. Just work backwards. There are people who've done it. There are executable plans and doing it. You just need to meet the right people. Yeah. And so literally you, you had that vision, that inspiration, you know, you found the, saw the pathway to success, and then you just daily executed against that that path that you had set around around the people that you had worked with, and uh, within your team. Yeah, and and to be honest, it wasn't it wasn't a win every day. Not by not by a long shot. It wasn't a win every day. There's a lot of times where you fell down and you're just like you know, why am I doing this? I can't even close anything. Um, and there's a lot of that self doubt, especially when you see your peers there. They're excelling in their um, in their fields of expertise, and you're just like, okay, why am I doing this? But then, as long as you have that, you really want to execute it, and you're you're telling yourself that you need to do it. There's nothing really stopping you but yourself. So, Oliver, when you say you did this plan, you know, and I, you don't probably have to know the exact numbers or things like that. Uh, but did you? And I imagine I know if I know you, you as an engineer, you probably how much <laughs> did it cost or did you have a set aside as a budget to to do this? Or did you did you fund it from the cash flow from the properties or was it maybe a refinance or a sell or a flip or, right. you know, because there's going to be some people on the line going, oh, man, I want to travel the world, too. And, and right. then maybe just uh, give people some insights into uh, the process you went through. Right. So it's, as you said, it's very, you know, we took it as a, as a problem solving, really a very analytical. So I said, okay, well, probably need money, like a big chunk of money for the bigger purchases, like, like plane tickets and, um, and uh, gear that you need to do because you know you need to prep your gear in order to do this trip. Like you only have one backpack, right? Um, so there's there is a big chunk of um, money that you're going to spend from the get go, and then there's going to be residual money that you'll need in order to um, to enjoy one, once you're there and to travel and to eat uh, the food that you you know all this wonderful meal that you're going to be able to um, to see, but. So in order to do that, we devised two ways. Number one, we need a set of funds in order to get us to that threshold of, um, of these big purchases. And then we need something to tide us over when, in that monthly sort of uh, expenses that you'll have. So we actually, what we used for the, um, for the bigger chunk is an agreement for sale that I learned from Barry McGuire's, uh, one of Barry McGuire's um, seminars. And it was very new at that time. I think it was, uh, it was wrongly granted first and then we Canadianized it with Barry seminars, and that's actually I I closed my first AFS, and that gave and that gave me enough more than actually. Once I closed my first AFS, it gave me enough to buy an investment property, and then set aside from whatever was left, set aside the funds that I needed for the big purchases. 
and then for the cons- for the monthly um, for the monthly uh, sort of regular expense that we had, we we drew that from the cash flows that uh, from the cash flow coming from our portfolio. So it was a mix of um, of a set aside fund and a monthly thing that's coming out of our portfolio. Right. By yeah. the end of it, Russ, we were actually we calculated it and everything uh, together. Mind you, we went to Europe and Asia. We couldn't do the Americas because we were just so exhausted at that point. Um, but um, it only came out to about $70 per person per day. So once you work backwards, like we had more funds than we had allocated for. Wow, $70 per person per day for the two of you. Yeah, like for each for each of us per yeah. person. So some, it's it's more expensive. Or maybe just as expensive to live here. Right. That was the living side of it. That wasn't including the big, the big ticket items, or was that all in? That was that was everything. Wow. Huh. Yeah, because you have to like when you're, especially when you're in Asia, you get a four star hotel at thirty dollars a night, and you split that between the two of you, and you go outside. You have the best meals of your life, um, just outside, sitting on the uh, sitting outside in a plastic chair, and it's what three dollars, right? So it kind of balances out. When you meet people, meet rain folks in London. <laughs> we met, we met up with Ryan and Marty and uh, and Don and Connie in London, where it's a little bit to the other side. But it's all just balanced out, so it's really not as not as big as people think it is. It looks big, but once you do the math, just prepare for what you need to do. Do it in the very analytical way. Of, okay, how much do I need it, and just work backwards. And so I imagine you also divested of most of your, you know, quote unquote, attachments in Calgary that you didn't have, you know, obviously didn't have a car payment or a mortgage payment or any anything that you were uh, having in back home, right? Yeah, actually, what we did, uh, Annie and I, what we did is we made sure that we refinanced one of our properties in order to pay off any of these things that any bad debt. So at that time, we didn't have we had zero bad debt. It was all good debt, and um, we were using the surplus uh, cash from an agreement for sale in addition to to the cash flow. Because um, if we were going to do this, we we wanted if we were going to do this from the get go, we were going to do this right. And I didn't want it to be a burden because at that if it if you're if in your head you know that you're borrowing in order to do this, then I think I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as when I knew that this was coming from a ca- from cash flow and from a set of funds that I already had. Nice. Well, thanks for thanks for diving into a little bit of the background there. I know a lot of people are going to go. That's all it cost. <laughs> but I think the big yeah, no. <laughs> I think the big message, the most important thing, is you pre-planned this based upon your vision. You priced it out, and then you work backwards to take all the action required to as- assemble the assets to help pay this to be able to afford the luxury of traveling. And and just for for everyone's benefit here, you traveled for one. One year, uh, or how, how many days did you travel and how many countries did you see? It was uh, 352 days. I believe it was 20 countries in total, but a lot of different cities in those countries. And we didn't do, you know, one country and you leave after a day. Like, we really took our time to enjoy it. I think we were in, I think we were in Vietnam, and we were in China for four months. We were in Vietnam for about a month and a half because we really like we really stayed in the countries that we liked, and that was the best part of it is not having a timetable, and you know just not knowing what there was the next day. I'm not saying that I didn't have responsibilities. That don't get me wrong. Every every week I had a status report meeting with my property manager, and I had I bought 
I bought six doors while I was uh, while I was traveling, and um, and we were we were uh, doing uh, investor calls the whole time. So just make sure that, as I said, everything can be planned. You make sure that your responsibilities are there because you know once you start thinking that real estate is passive, I think that's where most people go wrong. It's not passive. Don't think of it as passive. You need to actively manage it. And as long as you're you're in there, you're managing your um, your portfolio, uh, so that you know the golden goose doesn't stop laying eggs, then you're okay. Right on. So I'm going to get down that whole path about how do you manage a, sure. a portfolio and grow a portfolio while you're traveling remotely. But I just wanted to really you know reemphasize that point. Like you guys, you left. You literally just had a ticket. And you just had kind of a calendar of special events of where that you wanted to hit, like a lantern ceremony or this or that or the other. But you really had no, you had no, no agenda, really, didn't you? No, I, there really wasn't any. We just knew that we had all these, all these um, pictures from these websites that we know and like all these uh, festivals that we wanted to hit. But other than that, there wasn't really planned. I mean, I think it drove Annie a little bit nuts that I wasn't planning anything, any of these and kudos to her for actually getting us from one city to another. Cause really I wasn't doing any planning. <laughs> so if you really think about it, you actually just experienced and lived life while you were away and just we're, exactly, human, yeah. we're human beings for 352 days while you were on that and doing a little journey. That, that's exactly what it was. And, you know, to tell you, Russ, um, I know that a lot of people are going to be, I want to know, what did you see? What did you, you know, what was the best cities that you went to? Um, what stood out to us was actually when we let ourselves go and we let ourselves create relationships with people that we met. And that was when we actually felt that we lived that life of traveling is when we got into these people's lives where, and, and we met them and they didn't necessarily have the most uh, fun in the world, but it was something that we enjoyed with them. And um, we met all these people and uh, yeah, just, I think it was just 350 days of just pure living um, stands maybe, you know, three or four hour a week when you're actually working and managing the portfolio. I, don't, I, I think it's a good trade-off. <laughs> I hear you. So, so that then begs the next line of question is, how do you manage a active portfolio while traveling and, you know, potentially with spotty internet connections and things like that? How did you, how, give us some tips on, you know, for, for us that are maybe wanting to, you know, move to a remote area, maybe even just move from, you know, Toronto to, you know, to the cottage for <laughs> six or seven months That's of right. the year. How, what are some good tips that you can share on how to manage remotely, my friend? Sure. There's, um, there's two parts to it. And number one is how do you acquire new properties while you're abroad? And uh, the more straightforward one is how do you manage the ones that you have? So I'll go with, uh, well, I'll go with the second one first. Which you, have a, you have a portfolio of properties. You want to take some time to your being days, as, uh, as Don puts it. And really what you need to, as you need to answer one fundamental question as an investor is, do I know everything that's going on with my property today? Right? That's where it all starts. So in order to do that, you're going to need to build some sort of a tracking system or a dashboard saying, okay, these are all my suites. This is number one that you're going to, the one thing that you're going to do is make sure that you have your team. 
right? Number one, like, do you trust your property manager? Because you're definitely not going to be able to do it by yourself, or I wasn't going to be able to do it by myself. So I had a property manager who I trusted, and we had a personal relationship that I trusted their decisions. I made it very clear as to what my expectations were, as to what I was comfortable with them deciding, and what I needed them to talk to me about for decisions. So being able to have your team and setting clear expectations on these things. Like, for example, if it is a cosmetic um, uh, issue that is over X amount of dollars, then they would need to call me. If it was a must-have because something is is uh, broken in the house, they don't need to call me because at times I'm not accessible. These sort of, these sort of plain rules with your property manager. So once you have that, and you know, um, you know that you can trust your property manager. The worst thing that you can do is just trust your property manager. Right? I know that it's kind of <laughs> counterintuitive because you trust your property manager, but then I'm telling you not to trust them because what you have to understand is they're not only looking after your portfolio. They are people who have a business who have this massive amount of portfolio, and you need to be able to manage your own because nobody's going to look at your business with the same care as you are looking into. And that's something that I developed during the trip. That's something that I do until today. And what I have is I have a tracker of all my suites. And number one is, you know, when do I have vacancies for all these suites? And what repairs do I know need to happen in each one of these suites? So in every week, I make sure that I, I have a 30-minute um, chat with my property manager and I email them, okay, these are the things that are, I know that are coming up this week. I, want, I wanted to ask about what the status of these were and also are there any other fires that I'm not aware of. And that usually, once you ask those two questions and you show them that you understand um, everything that's happening in your portfolio, they automatically put their service level into the level of attention that you have because they all feed from you. Because at the end of the day, you are responsible for this. So um, we just had a weekly chat on everything that's happening in our portfolio and then the scheduled renovations and repairs. And if there's something that's bigger than them, if something that's out of what I was expecting, then then we talk about it. Right? There's There were issues along the way, for sure there were issues along the way. But you know, you have to plan on how to mitigate it, and you just have to. You can't get, you can't get over emotional about things. That when, when, when there are issues, and you know these people are helping you, then that's why it's very important that you trust them. Then at that time, if they are great property managers, then you can ask them the question: What choices do I have? And then your job as the owner of these things is just to make sure that you make the correct decisions, and you give them, you give it to them in a timely manner, so that your operations is seamless and they don't even know that you're gone. I think one of the comments that I got from my property managers is I think I was more available to them when I was traveling than I was when I was, uh, when I was working before this, because now I understood what they needed from me. So that's my, my take on how you can manage it from a distance. Wow. Hey, take a drink there, brother. <laughs> you said a lot. There. So, so, right. so ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're really taking lots of notes. So, you know, it really comes down to the, the people you surround yourself with, the team you put in place, the communication, 
Um, Oliver had some kind of a tracking spreadsheet of some way, shape or form, you know, clearly yep. articulating the expectations, the accountabilities. And I would call, I would also say the number one thing was probably you were focused and you knew that you had the 30 minutes and you were just going to take care of all of this in 30 minutes because that's all you're going to put to yep. it. And it's amazing when you have accountabilities and expectations in place and you have the focus, how much you can accomplish in just a half an hour. Right. And, and, and that's the thing. Once you're, you're down to this half an hour mindset, the person on the other line understands that you take their time seriously as well. So they like working with you because you don't sort of just drag around the conversation and they have all these things to do. You get in there, you get your, you get your, conscious, your questions answered and you get out because that person has a lot of, a lot of doors to manage and not just yours, right? Well, and they probably, they probably value and respect that from you as well. They know that you're going to get down to business and you're not talking about the weather and you're going to just do what needs to be done. Decisions can be made, move forward. Who's doing this? Who's doing that? Let's do it. Right. Absolutely. And, they, you know, and some of these people, once you get to know them, they go above and beyond, above and beyond what you expect. So, you know, just extend that lesson from rain of bringing those Tim Hortons donuts. You know, there's nothing stopping you from doing these things from a distance. Gift cards are available. Lunches are available anywhere in the world as long as you have an Internet connection. Nice. Now, the part two to that whole equation is you, you said you, you closed on six more. Was it six doors or six more properties while you were away? Correct. I, we, we closed on uh, six doors while I was away. And um, in order to do that, there was a totally different ball game as to um, it was it was a culmination of all the things that I learned in how to purchase a property. So, you know, it's more than the steps where you say that, OK, well, I have to get an offer. I have to accept the offer. I have to make sure the lawyer knows. But you have to actually articulate all these steps. I'm, I'm a project manager by trade, and so this comes a little bit easier and more natural to me. But what I have is I've, I've created my list of a, what I call steps of doneness. So in order to purchase one property, from the moment that I, um, that I receive uh, a listing from my realtor to the moment that I, um, I put tenants in there, I have devised, I have put it a step-by-step list, and I think I have 47 steps in order to get from, from, uh, from point A to point B. So what I do is I have these 47 steps. I have these um, schedules that what I think it will take. And again, it's the same deal as your property manager. You have to make sure that you have the right team. Are your, is your team aligned to the schedule? Because maybe it's not realistic. I know it was realistic for me because I've done it many times before, and I know how my team works. So from the original law office, I knew how much time they took and I knew how much time they needed in order to close the property. Um, Randy Beth was the person I was using at that time. Well, I met him in as well. Um, my property manager, my property inspector, my financing guy, Dan Heon. I was on the line with Dan Heon, and he was sometimes really asking me, like, when do you sleep? But, you know, I don't sleep when there's, a, when there's things that are closing because these are important things. But the takeaway from this is you have to know each and every step you're going to do in order for you to show your team that you know what you're doing. Once your team is aligned to what they need to do and they don't need anything else and you're at the back end of that, just managing, okay, is this done? Because if you're not done this, then my other guy can't start. Once they see that, it's, I think one of the things that, um, that Barry told me is while I was away, it just felt like I was just next door. Then he can call me and these, the transactions just flowed. And, you know, 
if that's something that you know that you guys are interested in, I can I can send you my spreadsheet. Like it's I've not these things I I have formulated it from um from what I've from the years of uh, experience that I have in in buying these properties. But you know I, I I've used it in order to make sure that at any given time it's actually a percentage. So at any given time, say for example, I'm supposed to be 55 percent done and I'm lagging behind and I'm only I'm only 48 percent done. I know exactly what steps I'm missing and what the dependencies are. So it's just it's just knowing exactly what you need to do because if you don't know what needs to happen, you can be assured that your team is confused as well. And so you have to take that accountability that you need to know exactly what's going to happen next and to communicate to your team. And the tool is just secondary. It's just making sure that everybody knows what needs to happen and that you're driving this. Right on. So leadership, my friend. Well, well done. So, so, so please send that spreadsheet along. We'll, we'll, we'll link it up in, in the story that uh, your wonderful story yeah, and all the, sure. the pictures that we are, are sharing with you of, on your world journeys. But really think about a lot of all your team members really came from within your community and within the rain network, did it not? Oh, 100% of them. Like I'm thinking now and I do not, I can't, find one of them who, who didn't come from that network and even though they may not be the first people i've met in that in the rain community and maybe they are not a part of that community but i got to them because of that community so um i would ask people as to you know who, who do you who would you recommend for this and they would recommend somebody maybe your values don't fit together or maybe the way they do things is not the way you want to do things but the good thing about this is there's it's a room full of people who have done what you want to do and that if you have a problem about it, you just ask questions and somebody will point you to the right person. And I can't tell you how much money it saved me for um, in just knowing the right people to engage. I, I remember there was one property that we bought and there was a crack in the foundation wall. Number one, if I didn't know to inspect it, I think I wouldn't have uh, hired this inspector and I would just have freaked out because there's this big crack in this foundation wall that I'm like, okay, so I can't buy this now. So I got referred by someone to an engineering firm, which um, did the assessment. Uh, and then it turned out to be a $42,000 um, repair that needed to be done. But then when I asked even further in that uh, in that same network, they said, well, you know, is it $42,000 or do the basement guys just want to fix a basement, right? And so you get different perspectives for different people. And then all of a sudden, I got referred to this one engineering firm who was going to assess the, um, the actual damage. And I only really needed to spend $7,000 of it. But I actually got the forty-two thousand dollars as a cashback from the vendor, and all of a sudden I'm up thirty-five grand on this uh, on this investment. So it's really there's so much money that I saved just because of knowing the right people from Rain. Wow, well, great story. So, so literally, it paid for all your membership for for decades, if you think about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it's pretty much done because of that. And then you know you look like you look like a freaking genius in front of your joint venture partner, where really you just ask questions and make sure that you're connected to the right people. Right on. So, so if we think about it, if we're if we're if we're writing your book and telling the story here, you know, you know, part one is you know the the U of T grad who who was an engineering an immigrant. No, so part one could be that uh, an immigrant engineer U of T grad. And, yep. and now you've then you've decided that you got the real estate bug and you moved to Calgary. You learn the skill set. You build the portfolio. Then the next stage, yep. the phase was you. Uh, 
traveled the world and lived a dream of that. So, so now we're, we're, we're pretty well caught up to date, my friend, of, of where, where things are. So, so what's the next chapter look like for you? I think there, there's a, a pretty big uh, announcement on the horizon, is there not, my friend? Yeah, yeah. Actually, Annie and I are having our first child uh, coming to do this November. And um, it's a pretty big change, especially because now, you know, from before, we wanted to accomplish all these things. We wanted to travel the world. And now that we've done that, um, and when we got back and we decided to have kids, that's one of the, I think it's the best thing about the, having a real estate portfolio is now I'm actually, I'm not in anybody's timeline now, right? I control my own timeline. I control my own desires as to what I want to do with my time. So, Whereas before, I was uh, I was focusing a lot on getting joint venture partners. I was focusing a lot on growing the portfolio. Um, it gives me the flexibility now to actually say, you know what, maybe I don't want to focus on that at this point. Maybe at this point, I want to just make sure that I have enough uh, governance on all my properties, making sure that they're aligned, and I can focus on enjoying the moment to where I, um, I have a new family member. We have our first son uh, coming on uh, November. And... Um, it's, I think it's one of the best things that, that I have is I can choose to spend time in it and I can choose to step back a little bit from the workplace in order to enjoy this moment where, whereas, you know, I'm, you're not as pressured as you were before. Nice. So you really just have the, the time freedom to make the choices to, you know, the next, the next hill and the next thing, vision you're going to conquer is you're going to be conquered. You're going to conquer being an amazing dad and you're going to show up fully and just being there for, for, for your children. And I imagine there's more on the way too down the road to a plan in place. You probably have it spreadsheeted out in critical path and, <laughs> and Gantt charted and all that fun stuff, huh? Probably, you know, it's, it's something that I've heard, uh, I've heard you say, I've heard Don say before where, you know, Sometimes you have to go your own pace or sometimes you're, you're in this mass expansion. Sometimes you don't buy anything for a year or two years. And I couldn't, I couldn't internalize that before as to why somebody would want to do that until I'm in that, um, until I'm in that scenario. And I'm like, oh, okay, but this is why you would want to do that because, you know, your priorities change. And the good thing about it is your real estate portfolio is helping you focus on the things that are important to you. Um, not necessarily something that anybody else would understand, but at that point, if it's important to you, you have the flexibility and focusing onto it, right? Nice. Well, all the best. And you know what? Uh, everything will just turn out well And when you enter this new phase. So everybody's thinking of you here back at the uh, part of the community, and and uh, hopefully everything will just go perfectly fine for you with that. So, Thank you. Couple final questions here before we do wrap up here, Oliver. Just been having a blast, and uh, you know I've got this big giant grin ear to ear here, catching up with you again. So, so by it's yeah. like it, it always happens when you and I talk. It's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna get serious and heavy for a moment. Okay, so all right, all imagine right. this: you're 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 walking into this, you know, this room, and this room, you know, Rain members will get this reference. This room is painted in mushroom basket. As we all understand that reference. Uh, And in this room, there's just two chairs. There's two chairs sitting in the middle there. And there's no windows. There's no nothing. It's just two chairs. And then sitting in one of those chairs is 18-year-old Oliver Limkanko. And you get a a chance to sit kneecap to kneecap with your 18-year-old self. What advice would you give that uh, handsome young man as he ventures off out into the world? Well, I think if I'm, if I, well, this is, this is totally unprepared. This is amazing. I, I like these kind of questions. 
if I were if I were to go back and talk to my younger self, I don't think I would have changed anything. I think that I am in this position now because I took the time to test my strengths. I took the time to understand what I want to do. And if there was anything that I could, if I could improve, um, it would be to, and it's, it always comes back to this, is, is the relationships that you have with people, right? At times, I think I was sometimes impatient about my progress and that strained some of the relationships that I had. And looking back at, at it now, you know, the big things that you thought were big weren't really that, you know, you, you lose sight of what really is your goal. But I think it's the relationships that I would, um, that I would improve in that, from that point. I think, I don't think I would have done anything differently from my execution. I don't think I would have done anything differently from how I got here because as, as you guys, uh, you know, as I've learned in raining, it's all part of the process. Like the journey is part of the process to get there because um, I think one of the things that I kept hearing there is, you know, it won't happen to you unless you're ready for it. And I don't, I didn't understand what that meant until you reach one phase of your life and you're like, ah, so if I was here, if I was here back, you know, five years ago, definitely I would not have been able to, I would not have been able to handle this. So I think, it's, you know, trust the, trust the system uh, as long as you, as long as you have a plan in getting there, just execute it. A lot of people get bored. A lot of people stop executing it because they think it doesn't work. It works. There's a lot. There's a lot of a long list of successes who have done it. And I would, I would tell, I would really tell my younger self, you know, foster all these relationships. Make sure that you, you know, you don't lose sight of the big goal, and that, um, and that it. The, the journey is important, is important as the goal uh, in order to shape you and to make you strong in order to handle what's going to come up next. Because sometimes the, the going will get tough. Like I have been, I have been in police stations a couple of times because of uh, disputes with the tenants. And, you know, I was, I was scared. I, I was scared to buy, I was so scared at the beginning when that happened. But now that I've been through that and I've been through that process, if it happens again, it's just another thing that you do. Um, and, uh, you just really have to maintain all these relationships that you meet along the way in order to help you. And hopefully that you can help out sometime as well. Right on. So what would you think would be one of the biggest obstacles that you've had to overcome as a, as a real estate investor so far? Right. And I think one of the biggest obstacles that I really had to overcome was my own expectations of how long I, of how productive or how fast I should be going in this game. Um, I, did, I did achieve my first goal of where I wanted to be in about six years. I had initially wanted it to be, I thought it would, I would be done in three years. And along the way, because I had that expectation, you know, like I, there was a lot of self-doubt along the way. There was a lot of things that, um, that um, made me strange to my relationships because I'm like, okay, I'm not going fast enough. Why am I not... Why is this not working? Why, why am I not? Why not? Why am I not progressing as a, as I did? But you know, once I look back to it, it was just my expectations. You know, it just it takes time. It takes time to develop the skill set. It takes time to make sure that people can trust you with their money. And and um, some people do it better than others. You are you are going to meet people all day long who are just going to kick your butt 
at anything that you can do and there's nothing you can do about it because you shouldn't really care about what other people are doing. You should only care about what your plan is and how you can execute that. And it's just the expectations that you set for yourself. I think, for me at least, when I, I had this moment to reflect on it when I was um, when I was traveling, you know, like most of the heartbreak and more of, most of the um, the uh, tough times, like, you know, I was being tough on myself, is, um, just the expectations that I set. And just sometimes you just have to realize that it takes that time to, um, to develop the skill set and your relationships to get there. Right on. Now, Oliver, I just wanted to just acknowledge you for, for a moment here of just, uh, you know, for one, sharing this incredible story so far. And I tell you, there's going to be many more chapters to come once once fatherhood right. and then the next the next uh, the next chapters you're, you're soon to be to write. You know, it's just just from your whole journey, uh, you know, coming here um, as an as you call an immigrant engineer and just taking the attitude of doing whatever it takes. You had you just learned the skill. You just jumped in. You you took that action. You, you know, you were all in. You were full in. You were full invested. You were disciplined. You were methodical in the process, and you've taken the time. It's a marathon to you, not a sprint. So I just wanted to acknowledge, um, if you haven't ever given yourself a, a pat on the back or or a giant <laughs> high five, I'm reaching through the, the microphone right now, and I'm I'm giving you a giant virtual high five, a virtual high five, my friend. So just wanted to acknowledge that it's it's inspirational to hear the story. And the funny thing is sometimes it doesn't feel like it while you're going through the process, as I said. It doesn't feel like it, but once once you do achieve it and you look back, you're like, oh, well, what was so tough about that? Like, <laughs> you just, okay, what's the next one? And it's it's amazing how you, uh, how, if you, if as, as you said, if you're methodical and you have a plan and you execute to it, it, um, it all becomes possible with the right people around you. Right on. Now, so where can we find you? If you? Where do you hang out? Do you hang out online? Do you have a website? Are you a social media guy, Facebook guy, Snapchat? What, where, where can we fall, find Oliver Limkenko? Right. Well, I'm a little bit of an old school uh, guy when it comes to uh, social media, so I don't do the new Snapchat stuff that my sister is always um, bugging me about. <laughs> I do, um, when I say it's oliverinvestments.ca, and uh, you can reach me at Oliver at OliverInvestments.ca. I'm on Facebook, um, Oliver Lincanco, uh, and on Twitter as well. I'm the same, with the same handle. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one with that name. <laughs> uh, um, that's been one of the challenges of my life is spelling it out for people. So um, it's Oliver and then L-I-M-C-A-N-G-C-O. And once you search that on Google or on Facebook, I'm the first hit that you'll you'll see it there. Nice. Well, I hope people are listening to this and are inspired from it and they hit you up from there. So so just wanted to thank you for your time uh, of sharing this next evolution. And you know what? We'll probably catch up in another couple of years and there'll be even more things that uh, will be coming in the next chapter of your life. So just thank, thanks a lot, Oliver. No worries. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really enjoyed talking to you, Russ. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Russell Westcott with the Real Estate Investment Network. We're just signing off one more time here. So look forward to talking to you very soon. Bye for now. You've just listened to the latest Building Real Estate Wealth episode. And on behalf of the entire team at the Real Estate Investment Network, I wanted to thank you for your time. Feel free to share this episode with a family member or a friend and help inspire somebody in your life. If you're feeling inspired and moved by this amazing story and would like to author your very own real estate success story, I would like to invite you to take the next steps that are right for you. If you're not sure where to start, the following three steps will set you up on the pathway to success. First, use a real estate investing system that has been tested in all market conditions. Next, make sure you surround yourself with like-minded investors. And finally, take some action. 
A membership within the Rain family will help you accomplish all three and put you firmly on the pathway to success. You can always go to raincanada.com or you can call 1-888-824-7346 to make sure that this is a fit for you or if you have any questions. Once again, thank you for your time and we look forward to helping you author your real estate success story.